Hello, welcome to BioBased Radio, a podcast promoting a more sustainable future through conversations with industry, university, and environmentalists. Today, our host, Denny Hall, is talking with Brad Rogers, Packaging Department Senior Manager with PepsiCo. Hi, I'm Denny Hall, host of BioBase Radio and director of OBIC, the Bioproducts Innovation Center at The Ohio State University. Today, Brad and I talk about sustainability in packaging. A lot goes into making your Lay's and Frito snack bags more sustainable. We'll talk about a noisy launch of Sun Chips, the ideal characteristics of a snack bag, and the 37th largest economy in the world. How big is your team right now? Right now, I have um, four engineers and scientists uh, working for me uh, on my team. So a small team, but we leverage dozens of outside suppliers, upstream suppliers, uh, downstream uh, people who would use our package or, or collect our packages. So we, uh, we try to leverage our, our team to be very effective and very efficient. What's your training? How did you get to this line of work? I have an education in um, polymer chemistry, gosh, over 30 years ago uh, when I graduated from the University of Missouri at Rolla. I went uh, from there into the uh, chemical industry and spent about 15 years making polymers and developing those polymers for uh, packaging applications uh, for big chemical companies. And then uh, I came to PepsiCo almost 16 years ago now. What are some of the other brands there at PepsiCo. So PepsiCo uh, is a, um, a large multinational organization. I think we have over 250,000 employees. So I've got a lot of coworkers. I think I uh, heard a stat that we are like the 37th largest economy. <laughs> if we were putting, if we were comparing us with other countries, even, I mean, we, we are a big company. We have over 23 brands within our portfolio that generate over a billion dollars in uh, revenue, and then dozens of other brands uh, that produce between you know 500. Uh, lots of brands from uh, Pepsi to Mountain Dew to uh, Gatorade to Tropicana, and then on our food side we have Quaker products, Aunt Jemima. We have all of our snack foods under the uh, Frito Lay brands, which includes Fritos, uh, Lay's potato chips, Cheetos. Uh, Doritos, Tostitos, and several brands uh, similar to those around the globe, such as Walker's uh, and Smith's uh, Potato Chips. Uh, quite a few brands underneath the, uh, the PepsiCo umbrella. So that's a lot of packaging. A lot of packaging. <laughs> billions, billions of packages annually. Yeah, yeah. And so what are the characteristics of an ideal package for a, let's say, a Frito-Lay snack chip? Okay. Well, certainly, you know, the ideal package is, is certainly dependent upon the uh, product that we're trying to package. And for snack foods, you know, you we're dealing with products that, that need to stay very crisp and fresh tasting. So we need a package that will provide a moisture barrier and oxygen barrier to keep the fresh tasting inside the package and to keep the product as fresh as possible during the shelf life. We need it to be puncture resistant. We need it to seal well so that the package stays closed and so that the crispy chips don't poke through. And we need it to be durable so that it can survive uh, warehousing and then uh, shelf distribution into the marketplace. And it also has to be pretty and, uh, and beautiful and convey all the uh, brand imaging as well as the um, nutritional information. So the package has got to do quite a bit of work. So then is it your responsibility within this packaging domain to be focused on the materials of it? 
So a lot of the work that my team does is, is definitely focused around the materials aspect of it, but we also uh, look at other aspects of the package, the shape, uh, the design, how it gets packaged. But yes, uh, a lot of the focus is around the materials. One of the things that I didn't know or was surprised to learn that there are many layers in a chip bag. Always surprising to folks when they when they take a look at a, a flexible package that's used for uh, for snack foods, uh, and it looks fairly simple. And in some ways, it is. But when you when you really dig into the package and and take a look at it on a closer level, it's really quite complex. There's multiple layers of materials, and and that uh, helps us achieve all the performance criteria that we're looking for, all the uh, the puncture resistance, the seal strength performance, as well as the moisture and oxygen barrier. And so, yes, it takes multiple layers of different materials being combined together in just the right way to produce a, a very thin, uh, efficient film that conveys all the um, uh, nutritional and, and brand information onto that package as well. 10 to 15 layers, is that what you said? Yes, those are really thin layers. Very thin layers. A flexible package for snack foods is typically around, oh gosh, about 50 microns in thickness. Uh, it's 25 thousandths of an inch. I have to believe that one of the principal drivers you experience now is this issue of sustainability. I know that, that in the past you've been very active in the Sustainable Packaging Coalition. What are, from your perspective, some of the drivers associated with sustainability in the packaging industry? Well, for PepsiCo, we've, we've set some fairly uh, aggressive goals for sustainability uh, across our whole company. And when you, when you roll those up down into the, uh, the packaging portion, we're really focused against two major deliverables. Uh, we want to lower our greenhouse gases of all of our uh, materials that we utilize. And we've set uh, some benchmarks for us uh, based on a 2015 uh, baseline that we've established. And by 2025, we want to be at least 20% lower and our overall greenhouse gas. And that's taking into account growth that we are expecting for our company. And additionally, for our packaging, we've set a goal, 100% uh, of our packages, to be designed to be either recycled, composted, or biodegradable. I'm intrigued by your goal of recycled, compostable, and biodegradable, and, and, and further imagining how difficult that must be given the fact that you indicated you have like 10 to 15 layers. Yeah, so for our snack food packaging, it, it is quite challenging to uh, try to meet that goal. And that is a, a major focus area for our research team. Uh, not only my group, but, but others within our packaging organization, packaging R&D organization and our operations uh, side as well. So we're doing, we've got a lot of hands trying to attack this problem. So as you consider the bio-based, are you leaning towards a package that would be biodegradable? But I also feel like it's important to mention here that it can be bio-based and, and, and also recyclable. That is correct. So uh, for flexible packaging um, today, there's very little recycling opportunities. Uh, these multi-layer, multi-material packages that exist in the uh, marketplace, PepsiCo is, is certainly one example of, of those types of products, but, but all the other uh, products that are in the grocery store and other retail outlets in flexible packages are composed of multiple materials, multi-layers. They're very uh, lightweight, uh, very efficient packages. Uh, they work very well, but uh, once the consumer is finished using them, they're not a lot of material there left to collect and to recycle. Uh, and, and there's very low value in recycling these mixed materials. 
so that's a that's a difficult challenge. Uh, we're certainly working in those areas uh, uh, to try to uh, find solutions. But at the same time, we're also looking at pathways by which we could change those materials so that we could ultimately give consumers a different end-of-life option. Given the very thin nature of these layers, has there been any discussion within the compost community of like some level of potentially petroleum, non-biodegradable materials that could be in a, in a package and not be detrimental to, the, to that compost application? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there, the, the standards that are set forth today uh, for uh, biodegradation via a compost environment do allow for uh, a small amount of non-bio-based materials in there. And, and that helps us. And that is some of the tricks and uh, of what we're utilizing to achieve the uh, barrier performance, all the other uh, uh, physical property performances that we're looking for. So absolutely, that's possible. And, and we're, we're leveraging that. But we're always looking for solutions that allow us to use more bio-based content uh, in those packages. So uh, that is a a goal that we're working towards. I will mention as well that, you know, last year PepsiCo made a, a public announcement uh, about a partnership that we've uh, entered into uh, with a major um, bio-based polymer manufacturer, Danimer Scientific. Danimer has been, you know, supplying bio-based materials for, oh gosh, uh, way more than a decade now. And what we recognized uh, last year was that they They've been developing this technology to manufacture a PHA family of materials. And we felt like they'd reached a, a good point in their research that it was time for PepsiCo to kind of partner up with them to help them uh, move that project forward faster towards a commercialization. Super. Thanks for sharing that. Do you know uh, what the Enamer is looking at in terms of feedstocks for that PHA? Oh, great question. So right now they're utilizing vegetable oils. One of those could be uh, canola. That's a very common uh, industrial uh, vegetable oil. And one of the things that they're they're approaching, or one of the ways they're approaching their feedstock question is around, you know, working with farmers to, uh, you know, grow some of these vegetable oils. So a lot of these are, are seed crops that can be uh, grown as a cover crop in the wintertime. So meaning that uh, the farmer can grow his, uh, his uh, normal primary crop in, in, the, in the summer. And then um, when he harvests, uh, he can plant uh, these seed crops, uh, which produce oil over the wintertime. And then prior to the uh, planting in the spring, he'll harvest the seed crop and, and actually get two crop out of his uh, soil. And if you and if you grow the right seed crops on these uh, soils, you actually uh, are, are complementing the soil and actually kind of helping to rejuvenate the uh, performance of the soil, uh, so that next season's uh, primary crop will be more fruitful. So uh, I think it's a positive agricultural experiment that uh, that has the potential to uh, produce uh, some very positive results on a packaging side as well. Yeah, another point there is that if you've got winter growing plants. It has water quality benefits, too. You're less inclined to have, you know, some of those nutrients running off of the land and into our waterways. Absolutely. I think that's one of the, the, um, the learnings that I've picked up in, in, in uh, this um, uh, researching this arena is that the uh, agricultural impacts can actually be a positive and not a negative to utilizing these uh, uh, bio-based uh, materials. Yeah, the other thing that I think is often misunderstood is that you're growing this crop, maybe in this case specifically for vegetable oil, but a byproduct of that is protein. And when one looks at the international need for um, foodstuffs, you know, to, to support 
our, our human population, uh, it's protein that is always in short supply. We've got lots of starches and oils and fats, rice and potatoes and corn, and, but it's, it's the protein that is so highly prized by our world population. Yeah, you make a good point. The agricultural uh, world is is very complex, and, and and there's a lot of positive outcomes that, that 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 come from growing various crops. Protein certainly being one of those. That's great. Well, we love that you're doing that kind of that kind of research and and helping to champion these bio-based materials. That's uh, that's what bio-based radio is all about. We love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. It's been a it's been a uh, big effort that PepsiCo has been involved in, and a, and a long journey that we've been on for for more than a decade now. Yeah. So let's let's go back to some of the early days of the PepsiCo journey and uh, tell us a little bit about the Sunchip bag and and some lessons learned from that. Oh yeah. Well, that that package was a um, a big success. It it certainly uh, came into the marketplace with quite a bit of noise and fanfare. We were excited to introduce that. Uh, that came out into the market. Gosh, I think it was around 2009 time period, uh, and it stayed in for a couple of years. I think it exited the market around 2011, and we uh, we learned a lot. It was it was kind of the early days of, of bio based uh, packaging materials. There was only a, a small portion or a small selection of, of raw materials that we could choose from to make that package. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you indicate that it came in with lots of noise and yeah. fanfare. It was a project that I've had the pleasure of working on that was that really met with a with a lot of positive feedback from the uh, public and 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 definitely some negative feedback. In uh, today's age of uh, social media that uh, every single person on the planet now has a, a vehicle by which they can express their opinions, we saw some very interesting uh, videos and uh, commentary put into the marketplace about the, uh, the that, that particular chip bag. Uh, one of its uh, deficiencies was around the uh, the noise that it produced. It was it was slightly louder and, and had kind of a different uh, feel and, and, uh, and sound to it versus traditional packaging. And one of the learnings I think we got out of that from that launch was just the importance uh, that consumers place on on that package, uh, you know, and what they want that package to be able to do for them. And anything that upsets that balance of, of what they're looking for, what consumers are looking for in a package, can come off very passionate about <laughs> uh, what they don't like about it, but but also passionate about what they, what they do like about change. So it was interesting. We got a lot of positives and we got some negatives as well at that, at, with that launch. Well, from my perspective, I like the crispy nature of the Sunship Bay. <laughs> well, th- thank you, Dennis. <laughs> We've actually started to introduce uh, some of those um, formulations into the marketplace. Got a, um, a pilot going on right now in our within our food service package for Tostitos that are used to make nachos uh, for uh, stadiums and uh, food service applications uh, around North America. We've been experimenting with this uh, new packaging material into that package uh, for the past year now, and we're about to launch a, uh, a pilot that will be consumer-facing and talking to the consumer about this uh, packaging material in both Chile uh, later this fall and India later this fall. So we're, we're globally looking at how to reintroduce uh, bio-based compostable materials. I th- I've known about your interest at, at Stadium, and we've, we've talked about that before in terms of the Ohio State University. Our, our stadium is a zero-waste facility where all of the food waste is going to uh, 
or all of the biodegradable materials are going to compost facilities. I don't know if we've landed some of that product here on OSU's campus or not. Well, I hope we can uh, we can help rectify that situation here very soon. So, uh, and and by the way, congratulations on and striving towards zero waste. I think that's a great goal that, that Ohio State has set, and I hope that can help at least close that gap and, and get you closer to that hundred percent or zero waste uh, goal that you're uh, you're trying to achieve. Well, Brad, thank you so much for your leadership in this bio based arena. We very much appreciate your role as a major brand owner and pulling some of these materials together and, and bringing them to the marketplace. And um, uh, it's a very important aspect of making our planet more sustainable. So uh, thank you very much for everything you're doing to be a champion for these bio-based materials. We appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you. You're welcome. It's, it's certainly my pleasure, and I'm excited to be a part of the global initiative that's taking place. Um, and I hope that I can do my at least contribute a little bit from from where I sit and within the PepsiCo organization. Thank you for listening to BioBase Radio, and thank you to our guest Brad Rogers for being on the show today. BioBase Radio is a production of the Bioproducts Innovation Center at The Ohio State University. Produced in association with the United States Department of Agriculture, National Institute of Food and Agriculture. BioBase Radio is hosted by Denny Hall, produced and edited by Casey Needham and Brad Collins. If you'd like to help our podcast grow, plant the seed with a friend and rate and review on iTunes. <laughs>